0: Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. Let's open up our Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Some of these chapters I've chosen one or two verses or five or ten. This chapter we're going to go through the whole entire chapter. We won't cover every last verse today. For those of you who haven't been here throughout the entire series, before I read this, I just want to go through a quick history of what's going on as Paul writes these words. So, Paul the Apostle has lived himself a transformed life. He was a Pharisee uh, who had been taught that it's all about keeping rules, traditions, being a Jew, that it was all part of being God's family and waiting for the Messiah, and that especially through circumcision and other acts and traditions like that, that one could improve their relationship with God. Now, Paul's encountered on the road to Damascus because he's out and about persecuting Christians because he believes that they are heretics and false teachers. And so he wants to put an end to this Christianity business. And Jesus uh, directly confronts him. This is after Jesus death and resurrection, Jesus actually comes back for Paul and confronts him and says, Saul, which was his name then, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in all of this, uh, Saul is blinded for a little while. I won't go into depth into the story because we've touched, touched on it many times before, but this, this encounter, this direct encounter with Christ completely transforms Saul and, and he, he, he begins to understand that Jesus is Lord is his savior through the power of the Holy spirit. Everything is turned around and Saul becomes Paul and he begins to follow Jesus. And now having experienced forgiveness and mercy and grace, he wants to go out now and tell the story of Jesus to others Years go by, he's directly trained by Jesus, we're we're taught, and and then later on, uh, he goes out and he begins to spread the gospel. His very first missionary journey was to a group of congregations in a Roman province called Galatia. And he went out and he was preaching the pure gospel that Jesus is everything, and that there's nothing more needed. We don't need extra steps, we don't need extra laws or rules or traditions or customs, All we need is Jesus. And when we have Jesus, we have everything. And he he preaches this pure gospel message so so that these people like he can know that their sins are forgiven, that they have been redeemed by Jesus' death on the cross, and that now they have heaven and they are wanted as part of God's family, as we talked about in the baptism just a moment ago. After Paul leaves these congregations, Paul was a great instigator, so he would go around and he would instigate and start up these churches and people would gather around the Word of God and they would believe in Jesus. Well, after he would leave then and leave the congregations in the, in the hands of the local leaders, false teachers began to come in. And they began to teach that Jesus was in fact not enough, that Jesus was only the beginning, that you, you had to believe in Jesus... And these people styled themselves as Christians, but they taught not only do you have to be a Christian and a follower of Christ, believe and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, but you also have to become a Jew. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow the customs and traditions of the Old Testament people of God if you want to truly be God's kind of people and if you truly want to be saved. So that's the background. As we've gone through this book, we've heard uh, Paul vehemently at times saying, no, it's only Jesus, And last week, we heard, uh, we, we heard Paul teach us that when a person believes in Jesus, the added bonus is that as you follow Jesus, Jesus promises to give you the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the title of this series, Transform, Be Free at Last, what Paul t- taught us last week is that if you truly want your life to change, and many of us are here I know I began as a Christian because I didn't want my old life. I wanted a new life. Many of us are here because we want to see change, positive change happen in our lives. Paul says that too is all about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit. And that when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of your heart, and mind, he produces fruit. We talked about that fruit and he begins to weed out and reduce what Paul called the acts of the sinful nature. So, in essence, Paul says, as you follow Jesus, Jesus rubs off on you. His love, his mercy, his wisdom rub off on you, and that begins to transform your life. The Holy Spirit comes into your, into your heart and mind. That further transforms your life. And that all flows from the fact that through Jesus and through baptism, our status with God has changed. And that in that moment that Jesus died on the cross... He forgave the sins of the entire world. And when we come to faith in that, then, then, God, then, then our our status before God is changed from guilty to innocent. And then flowing from the fact that we are now holy and innocent in the sight of God through the blood of Christ, our lives gradually begin to transform and to change. And that's why it's all about Jesus. Today, Paul is really telling us, now you have this freedom because you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. How do you put that good freedom to use? So let's, let's look at Galatians chapter 6. And let's read what Paul says as he closes out this amazing book. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. Now you're going to hear him say this several times. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand? This is, this is Paul saying, see how important these truths are that I'm giving you? Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. To them, it's all about the outward. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Will you take out your pens and just underline that passage? This is the high point. This is the passage that we're really going to focus in on today. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There is the whole center of our transformation. Because the world dies to us, and I die to the world with all its temptations and all its pulls, When the cross of Christ is the center of my heart, mind and life, neither circumcision, this outward deal nor uncircumcision means anything. Do it or don't do it. Paul says it doesn't matter. What counts is the new creation that you become a new person, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body, the marks of Jesus the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So you know me, I love to read my Bible and I love to read my sports illustrated too. And I'm reading this week's sports illustrated. And there's this story about a young man, 18 years old, who is growing up in Compton, Southern California, South central LA. And, uh, He is challenged every day, dozens and dozens of times over the decisions that he makes because of the world that he lives in. Now, I'm just going to read to you a couple of of, uh, paragraphs. But listen to this. A a top student and a football star in South Central L.A., Kittim Ham is one of a growing number of high school athletes who face life and death decisions every day as they try to survive in gang-infested communities. I want you to register that little saying, who face life and death decisions every day. And the rest of the article is literally about the dozens of little life and death decisions, and some of them literally are life and death decisions that he has to make. The iPhone beside Ham's bed vibrates at 6.15 on a recent morning, stirring him awake. A car alarm pulses in the valley, in the alley, and pe- police sirens scream past his bedroom, noises so familiar that they go unnoticed to kid him. Squinting, he flips on the light. Letters from college football recruiters all neatly taped to the wall next to his bed come into focus. Stanford, Harvard, Princeton, UCLA, Columbia. And seven more, all all taped neatly to his wall so that he can see them the first thing in the morning. They are the first thing the 18-year-old Ham sees every morning, a daily reminder that he's one step closer to making it out of Compton, California. Now, the article goes on to talk about all the things that go on during uh, Kittum's day, all the All the little decisions that he has to constantly make to make it safely through his day. So there's that first decision. You heard it already. He made a decision to paste those letters on his wall so that they're the first thing that he sees every morning while he's still waking up. A decision made to, to, to really say, I need to be inspired every day. I need to be reminded that God has a purpose for my life. And I must never forget that purpose. He's given me gifts and abilities that I need to use for his glory. The decision, one that you and I make almost without thinking about what colors to wear, because see, if if he chooses to wear red, then the, the bloods might think that, He's one of them, and the Crips might come after him just as he walks a several blocks to school. One of the things I learned from this article is that incompetence' it's no longer the way that we used to think of it with gangs, where you have these two big rival gangs who are fighting for these major pieces of territory. It says, it says in the last decade, what's happened is that many of these gangs have splintered into dozens of sub gangs and you can literally walk down one block in the city of Compton and pass three different gangs, all of whom hate each other. And they may all go by the name bloods, but they, they detest each other and literally they kill each other. He can't wear too much br- uh, red and he can't wear too much blue because then he might be identified with the Crips. So he has to choose his clothes very carefully. Another decision that he has to make, trusting that Jesus will walk with him to school as he goes that morning. He'll have to choose his route to school very carefully. Because if he goes down the wrong block or the wrong street or the wrong alley, he might encounter someone as he did one day getting on a bus. Two young men came up to him and one of them pulled a gun and asked him, where are you from? And he wasn't asking, like, what block or street he lived on. He was asking, what gang are you a member of? Fortunately, Kittum's dad had been a member of a gang and, and had trained him and taught him, here's what you do when these guys come up to you. And he did just exactly as his dad had instructed him, and the, and the guy pocketed his gun and, and walked off, and Kittum slumped down on the bench near the bus stop, uh, trembling. <laughs> Going, literally, I just dodged a bullet. Hmm. And maybe the most important decision that Kitum makes, little decision maybe to us, is at lunchtime every day where all the other students are stretched out in the sun on the lawn, eating their lunches like picnics. And it looks fun. It looks amazing to sit there with his friends. But instead, when Kiddum comes out of his last class before lunch, he goes and grabs two or three of his buddies and he says, come on, let's go together. And they walk into a classroom where there's a young adult teaching the Bible to them. And they sit during their lunch period in a public high school and learn about Jesus all those little decisions and i'm just mentioning a few of them and then i got to thinking isn't that really true of all of us and and aren't there really spiritually speaking major gang members after us who's a bigger enemy than satan and his legion of evil angels, satanic angels, demons who want to take our legs out from underneath us every day and want to influence our decisions and get us going with their gang. Who's, who's uh, worse than the world that lives around us with its culture that wants to teach us and train us in its way of thinking? And then there's our sinful nature, our own sinful self that would love to see us following the way of death and destruction of evil, of sin. And and we face that every day too. Maybe not exactly the same way this young man does, but we face it. Dozens of little decisions that we have to make. And that's what I've loved about this book of Galatians, because really what God has told us is, You don't have to have dozens of little rules and policies and, and customs and traditions that you have to think about in this set of circumstances or that set of circumstances. You really just need one thing. You really just need Jesus. And, and when Jesus is there, And you're experiencing his forgiveness for all the things that you've done wrong, for all the sins that you've committed. When Jesus is there inside your heart and and he's living inside of you with his Holy Spirit that he promises. And he says, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform your life. Just just bask in my love. Just rely on my protection. Just know that my wisdom is the wisdom that will guide you in all those little everyday decisions, the dozens of them that that you're going to be making. And just recognize that when you're my child, you're God's child through faith in me, it's going to be okay. Because all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who have been called according to his purpose. Paul bases everything around Jesus And around the cross. Turn your crosswalk notes over. I had you underline this passage earlier. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. But let me back up now. And if you want to flip back over, I know I'm going to have you flipping your notes a lot today. Look at verse 12. And remember what I said when I read verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. This is Paul saying, man, I'm writing to you. This this is so important to me. I'm putting this down with my own hand. Now, you might not understand what that means unless you realize that back in Paul's day, they often used a secretary. Not everybody was a, a great writer. So they would use a trained person to write their thoughts down. Paul says, I'm writing this with my own hand, and I want to impress upon you that this is so important. I'm using large letters, just like you would put caps lock maybe on on your computer before you started (laughs) typing a message to someone on email, right? I want to shout this message to you, Paul says. Those who want to impress people, verse 12, by means of the flesh, are trying to compel you to be circumcised. These Judaizers who are trying to tell you it's about Jesus plus something else and who want to compel you to be circumcised so that you can become Jewish as well as Christian and that your salvation isn't complete until you do that, they're just trying to impress people. Circle that word, impress, and I want to tell you what it literally means in the original language. It literally means to put a nice face on something. He says what they're really doing is they're they're trying to put a nice face on, on themselves. They're trying to put a nice face on their false teaching and their heresy. And they're trying to impress people as if it's all about the outward And Paul says, if you've read everything else that I've written in the first five chapters, he says, you know now, it is not about the outside. It's not about cutting a a, a certain amount of skin off a a certain part of your body. It's not about following Jewish rules and customs and laws. It's not even to us today about a certain way to go about things, a certain way to, to worship or, or, or a certain way to, to go about teaching God's word or uh, the fact that I have my quiet time every day with God and because I do my devotions every day, wow, I'm sure God is impressed. It's not about that, Paul's saying. And Notice how he goes on. You go down that path, you do it for reasons. And he, he says the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. What he means by that is these. These guys were trying to avoid the the type of persecution that Paul himself had been implementing before he became a Christian. There were still people like the Apostle Paul going around persecuting the Christians for their faith and saying that Jesus is the promised Messiah and the only one that we can rest in. And people who were like what Paul had been before when he was Saul were still going around persecuting. And so Paul says they're just trying to avoid that. They don't want to have that pain of someone hurting them. He says, "We, we can't avoid the offense of following Jesus. And furthermore, he says in verse 13, they're hypocrites. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. These guys pile all these laws and rules on you, and they themselves aren't keeping them. Yet they want you to be circumcised. That they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. You see what Paul's doing here? As he closes out this book, he comes right back to it. As he finishes this book out, and he says, with large letters, I want to make this point one more time. It's Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. No more, no less. Don't add anything to him. Just follow him. He's all you need. May you may I never boast, never brag, never find our confidence, our hope, our wisdom in anything other than the cross of Christ. And when I have the cross of Christ, Paul says, then things really change because the world is crucified. It's dead to me. And I'm dead to the attractions and the temptations and the thinking and wisdom of the world the cross of christ is like a sword chopping off my relationship to the sins of the world and the thoughts of the world and that's where transformation can really start to happen when that when that tie is severed isn't it beautiful to know that what truly transforms me is the cross many of you probably heard pascal saying There's a God-shaped hole in every person's heart. And the Judaizers were trying to fill that God-shaped hole with all these customs and traditions and the Jewishness and and trying to follow those things. And and Paul's saying that will not fill the hole. And, And today... When churches teach people that there's some right way to go about it and that you can't be confident in your salvation unless you go about it our way. Unless you follow our traditions. When when Christians believe that, yes, I believe in Jesus, but unless I'm a good person on top of believing in Jesus, unless I do something, unless I follow those commandments... It's about Jesus, yes, plus whatever we add. Paul says you're beginning to boast in something else than the cross where Jesus shed his blood for you, won salvation for you, earned the forgiveness of every last one of your sins, and gave you the gift of eternal life. That all happened at the cross. Don't boast in anything else. That cross is what fills the God-shaped hole in your heart and and nothing else. May we never boast, never boast in anything except the cross of Christ. And look what the cross does. This is why on the positive end, we we have to boast in the cross because there's so much to be gained at the cross. See what Paul says? Verse 15 and 16, what counts is the new creation, peace and mercy to all who followed this rule who follow this rule to the Israel of God. When Paul says who follow this rule, he means this way of life rule actually means like ruler. So this line, this who track with this kind of thinking that it's all about Jesus are going to going to find peace and mercy, and they're going to be turned into a new creation. And who better to explain that than the apostle Paul, the guy who had built his whole life on self-improvement, on self-salvation, on self-transformation, on taking the right steps, on being the right kind of person, on being with the right tribe, the right people. His, Paul's whole life had been built on that. He calls himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And then Christ encounters him on the road to Damascus and says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul comes to understand his whole other way of life had been built on a huge deception, a huge lie. That Jesus was real, that Jesus was his Lord, that Jesus was his Savior, and that completely Transformed everything from, for Paul from that moment. And he became a new creation. So much of a new creation. So much of a different person from what he had been before. That What, what does he do? He literally changes his name. And do you notice that that's not uncommon in the Bible? That when a man named Abram experienced God's promise to him that out of him would come this great nation who would receive a great land, a promised land flowing with milk and honey, and that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky. And most importantly, that the Messiah would, would, flow from his, would come from his lineage. That when Abraham believed that, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. Or think about Jacob, Abraham's grandson, becoming Israel when he experienced the mercy and grace and love and forgiveness of God. We become such a new creation, a new person, a totally changed individual that it's almost as if each of us should pick a new name for ourselves. And that's because the change that Paul experienced that that created his new name was not the outside-in type of change that the, the Pharisees were trying to promote. You know, the Pharisees' basic thought process, which is, by the way, the world's thought process even today, is if you change what's outside, if you change your behaviors, if you change the rules that you follow in your life, If you change the steps that you're taking in your life, then you will experience change. Just take a moment any time and start reading through and you pick them your your choice. Some self-improvement guru. And inevitably, the thought process is just change your steps. Just just change what you're doing. Just follow these rules. Just get in these habits. And this will change. And Paul found out it's the exact opposite. That what Jesus was saying is, I can change your heart. And true change does not come from the outside and work its way in. It starts with the inside And works its way out. And that's how you become a completely new creation. And that's why having Jesus' cross fill that God-shaped hole in your heart is so transforming. That's what Paul experienced. Is that when the cross filled the God-shaped hole, when Jesus filled the God-shaped hole, when he knew him as his Lord and Savior, man, pretty soon that began to work its way out into all the little dozens of decisions that Paul made every day. Just like it worked his way out in all the dozens of little decisions that this young 18-year-old football player named Kitamaham is making every day. You see how that works? When when you can walk through your life confident because you go, you know what? I I am a sinner. (laughs) I'm guilty. Guilty as sin. I have failed God dozens and dozens of times every day of my life. But guess what? Jesus washed me clean. By the waters of baptism, by the blood that he shed on the cross for me. I, I'm walking in risk every day. Kidam Ham is walking in risk every day. What must he be thinking from that, that noon lunchtime Bible study where he's hearing about Jesus? Well, Jesus is walking with me as I walk to school. And, and, and with him, nothing is impossible. He will get me to school safely. He's my protector. He's my good shepherd. He cares about the sheep. I'm safe when I'm with Jesus. And even if something should happen to me, I'm still safe because I have heaven ahead of me. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The king told them, I'm going to throw you in this furnace. I'm going to heat it up seven times hotter than it's ever been heated up before. And what did they say? Our God can protect us. But even if he chooses not to, we still are not going to bow down and worship you because he is our God and we trust him. You see how that can work its way through all the dozens of little decisions that you and I make when we, when we have the cross at the center, it turns us into a completely new person. And that completely frees me from the deceiving lies throughout this last chapter Paul keeps using that word deceive. And in verse three, he says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. You see, he's talking about those Judaizers who have been teaching. <laughs> you got to do it yourself. Self-improvement, self-salvation, self-transformation. He says, that's all thinking way too much of yourself. It's making a superhero of yourself like we talked about last week. Stop it. Stop it. Don't think too much of yourself because that's just a lie. Just rest in Jesus and in his peace, walk with him, let him be your best friend. And you'll have all that you need and you'll have all the freedom that you need. Now, how do we measure that? How do you how do you measure the use that you're making of your freedom? Last week we heard that when the Holy Spirit is brought by Jesus into our hearts, it produces fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. That the Holy Spirit just naturally, organically begins to produce those fruits in our heart. So let me just ask you. Do you feel yourself growing in those? And Paul warned us also of some of the acts of the sinful nature. Do you you feel these gradually? And for many of us, it is gradually. It's over years and years. The transformation of your status before God from guilty, filled with sin, subject to death, to innocent, forgiven, subject to life. That happens in a moment. But the transformation of our hearts, our minds, and our behavior takes place gradually, organically, over a lifetime. And as it happens, you're going to notice that certain things get weeded out. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Do you feel that hatred is more and more getting weeded out of your life? I hope so as the holy spirit lives there discord jealousy do you do you find that you're less jealous of people now less even comparing yourself to others now that you have jesus and his cross filling your heart fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Paul says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because those are all indicators that the Spirit is not living in our hearts. When the Spirit lives in our hearts, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Do you have more peace today than you had a year ago? Or five years ago or 10 years ago? Do you have more patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness? Not because you're doing something different, not because you've got a better roadmap or you're taking the right steps, but simply because the spirit is living in your heart because you're walking with Jesus. You're experiencing more faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I really believe in our culture here in America, there are two things that we could, two things that we could especially use as sort of dashboard indicators of whether or not the spirit is living in our hearts. One of them is worry. Man, are we a country of worriers? We worry about politics. We worry about our family. We worry about our children. We worry about our spouse. We worry about our education. We worry about our job. We worry, we worry, we worry. And Jesus, through Paul, says, don't be anxious about anything. He says, cast all your cares upon me. If you feel like your anxiety levels are dropping, that's a fruit of the Spirit. And the other that I think is huge in our culture is anger. Oh, my goodness. We carry so much anger and bitterness around. And and, and that's why more and more... you probably heard today that for the very first time at Cardinals Stadium, if you want to get in, they're going to wand you now instead of just doing a pat down. Now, the fact that they have to do a pat down is telling you something. When I was a kid, we used to just walk into games. This year, there have been two violent incidences at NFL games on a Sunday afternoon where people are coming to watch a game. A game. And they're killing each other. We have so much hatred and anger and bitterness in our hearts. And it comes out in little ways in our lives, too. Do you feel your anger levels dropping? I hope so. If the Holy Spirit is living in your heart, it should be happening. And Paul says some very specific things. We started kind of down at the bottom of chapter 6. Let's go back up to the top real quickly. I'm just going to quickly run through these things. If Jesus and his cross are filling that God-shaped hole in your heart, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, Paul says, put this new freedom that you've been given by them to use by, first of all, gently restoring those caught up in a sin. Verse 1 says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. When someone sins against you, if your anxiety and anger levels have dropped down, you can end up not being quite so hurt and not quite so angry about that. And instead of wanting to take their legs out from underneath them, instead of wanting to have justice and, and, and right done and even the score and get your pound of flesh you think the way Paul is thinking here, this person is caught in this. They're, they're, in a sense, a victim. They've been caught unawares. And I need to take the hook out of their mouth. I need to help them, not level them. And I want to see them not punished, but what's the other verb there? Not punished, but restored. That's a whole different idea. I want them brought back up. When the Spirit lives in your heart, you go about gently restoring those caught up in sin. Paul goes on in verse 2. He says, carry each other's burdens. Man, when the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, when Jesus is with you, just like Jesus did himself when he was walking around. Oh, there's a blind guy. Let me go help him. Oh, there's someone who's deaf and can't hear. Let me open up their ears. Here's some people, 5,000 of them that are hungry. And the disciples say... Lord, what are you worrying about that? 5,000 people. We can't feed all these people. Don't be ridiculous. And Jesus says, how much food have we got? Let's feed them. I want to carry their burdens. The big ones and the little ones want to carry their burdens. When you're walking with Jesus, pretty soon Jesus is rubbing off on your heart and you're, you're seeing burdens that people are carrying that, that you, you haven't even seen before. You're, you're looking at a friend, and you're going, Man, you, you don't look just right today, okay? Whereas before you just gone, Oh, he's grumpy today. <laughs> I'll leave him alone. Now you go, Man, he's grumpy today. I wonder what's going on. I wonder how he's hurting. We carry each other's burdens. Verse 4 says each one should test their own actions. A really interesting thing happens when the Holy Spirit lives in your heart. Instead of comparing yourself to others and judging where you belong in the hierarchy by how good they are or how not good they are in your eyes, you begin to say, hey, maybe I should look at the man in the mirror first. Maybe I should test my own actions before I judge the actions of others. Now that's an amazing piece to your transformation. When, we, when we're willing to go, I'm a sinner too. I make lots of mistakes. And before I start to dig the plank out of my brother's eye, or the, the splinter out of my brother's eye, Nice, you just misquoted that passage. Let me start over. Before I start to dig the splinter out of my brother's eye, maybe I should dig the plank out of my own. That's what you do. All right, last one. So you're gently restoring those caught up in sin. You're carrying one another's burdens. You're testing your own actions. And then in verse 9, Paul says, Let us not become weary in doing good. You're tirelessly doing good. It just seems like the Holy Spirit gives you just a little more energy, a a little more oomph. Even at the end of the day, after a long day's work, you're like, okay, there's still a little bit of gas in the tank to do one more good thing for a friend. Put your new freedom to good use. With Jesus living inside your heart and the Holy Spirit alongside him with that cross The focus of everything, your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace that Jesus has given you. Gently restore those caught up in sin instead of leveling them. Carry one another's burdens instead of ignoring them. Test your own actions instead of judging the actions of others and tirelessly, tirelessly do good. And all that happens when we simply cling to the cross. What an amazing transformation into a new creation, a new person that will make us. Here's your next step. Cling to the cross. The cross alone is what changes lives for real. The cross alone will free you to live in a totally transformed fashion. Just like that young man, 18 years old listening to God's word every day during his lunch period. And the Holy spirit has climbed right into his heart. And he faces all those dozens of real life decisions every day with confidence, with faith, with love, because he's walking with Jesus. And that's what Paul says, walk with Jesus. You have all that you need. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's pray. Lord, for all the times that we have been tempted to boast in ourselves, to think that it's about ourselves, self-improvement, self-salvation, self, self, self. Lord, we ask we ask for your forgiveness. We ask you to cleanse us from the thought that we can do anything to save ourselves, to transform ourselves, help us just to fill that hole in our heart with you, Jesus. And Lord, as you fill that hole in our heart, remind us of the forgiveness that you won for us by your perfect sacrifice on the cross. Free us from our guilt and our shame. Free us from the death that hangs over our heads and give us life. And in that life and in that freedom that you grant us, Lord, Transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Grow those fruits of the Spirit in us and cause those to crowd out the acts of the sinful nature. Transform us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. And Lord, for everyone who's been through this series with us, I ask you to bless them, to keep the cross and only the cross at the center of their entire lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.